Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? A beautiful Tuesday morning. Right here live on the morning mix. I'm Ellie Shapiro, your host. And uh, we've had a little bit of a break, unfortunately. Too long of a break, let me tell you. But we've had Purim <clears throat> in the middle. And, you know, one of the challenges... <clears throat> one of the challenges of such a break is, as we always say, there's just too much to talk about. Every day, there was another show planned, and, you know, and unfortunately, you whenever you want to start again, so you, you don't know where to begin. You have so much to talk about, so much that you want to catch up on. I remember, I remember one time I got so, uh, I got so sick. It took me a couple days just for my body to slow down to be able to start to recover. And, and that's what, and that's what it's like. You know, you have each day went by and it's like, oh, okay, well now if I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little show today and I'm going to do this topic. And I'm going to do that topic. Well, at some point, if you don't take the plunge, you're not going to start. So that's where we are today. And I have to say, I was a little bit inspired over, um, there was a, a segment of Bill Maher's show, real time. I didn't watch the whole show, but I did watch a couple segments. And, uh, one of them, uh, one of them inspired me because as the listeners of our show know, the concept of virtue signaling is definitely something that irks me. Not because I think there's anything wrong with helping people. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think we should all help people. But very often, it's not a matter of helping people. It's a matter of trying to look virtuous. Look at me trying to help somebody. And um, there are a few different specific examples that I've specifically, that I've encountered over the last couple days that, uh, you know, what can I say? Definitely rubbed me the wrong way. But I'm going to play a little bit of this of this segment here because uh, Bill does a funny job. He does a funny job at uh, describing his his issues with it. His issues with it. So we're going to play here. This is Bill Maher's first clip here. And since it's award season, tonight I'd like to introduce <laughs> this ribbon to raise awareness for the growing epidemic of raising awareness. So, that's how he starts off, really. He's, he's raising awareness for the growing epidemic of raising awareness. That's it, eh? The growing epidemic of raising awareness. That's his first, that's how he starts off. The growing epidemic of raising awareness. Let's raise awareness of this. Let's raise awareness of that. What 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 are the different awareness that we that are being awarenesses that are being raised? Right? What are the different uh, organizations? So let's hear. He 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 discusses just the number of them. In March alone, we are marking World Glaucoma Week, National Poison Prevention Week, International HPV Awareness Day, and World Down Syndrome Day. March is also National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, Brain Injury Awareness Month, Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month, and National Deep Vein Thrombosis Awareness Month. 
That's the month of March for you. It comes in like a brain injury and goes out like deep vein thrombosis. Okay, I, I said I think I put a, a new uh, a new term, a new definition of the of the term March Madness. There you have it. So you have there's so so many different organizations that are claiming that we have to be aware of of them. We have to be aware of these organizations. And he said, and that doesn't that doesn't end it off. Listen to this last one here. It's not playing, okay. So what is what is the point? What is the point? Why why are these organizations what do they exist for? That's the first question. What do they exist for? And and why should that bother us? What do they exist for and why should that bother us? You know, where, where did this, where, where did this idea come from? Where did this idea come from? That there's, I'm just gonna try and play this last clip here. Not playing, okay. The last one is salt. Okay, the last one is salt. We have awareness of salt. Salt, salt, salt. Yeah, not regular, you know, table salt, cooking salt, salt. We have to be aware of salt. There's no end, is the point. There's no end. There's no end. So, where did this idea come from? Well, Bill has an interesting theory. Bill's an interesting theory, and I'm not going to say that this is um, necessarily where it's where it started, or at the very least, uh, where the problem started. You see, that idea that you know we we've touched on but haven't really developed, and this is that. There are many ideas that start from a very benign, maybe even good place. Very good place. But it takes either a willingness, maybe perhaps a special intelligence, to see how it's going to progress. And it's not necessarily how it starts that's the problem but where is it going where is it going so bill's an interesting theory i'm going to play i'm going to play this theory because it's the it's really the end of his of his rant here it's the end of his rant where is it here okay I feel like this all started with milk. Someone in the 80s looked at a milk carton and said, what a waste, not using milk as a vehicle for missing children to plead with you to put down the shredded wheat and get out there and crack my cold case. So milk, that's where he says it comes from. The whole thing started, you know, as a Canadian, we never really had this phenomenon, this idea that that in America, you know, on the milk cartons, they would have missing children. Didn't 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 uh, it was it was an American thing. We didn't have it in Canada, but don't, don't but where, where, was anything wrong per se with putting milk children on milk cartons? You know, people are sitting there at their breakfast table, spacing out, reading the box of the cereal. So why can't we put something on the on the milk carton on the milk bottle, whatever, whatever the milk carton? It, it's again. It's benign. 
and at the same time, maybe even a good thing. But that's where it starts, is the point. That's where it starts. To the point that you're inundated, as Bill gave an example of, you're inundated in every single store you walk into, everywhere you look, you see a uh, 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 cancer for this and a cancer for that, and the you know pink this and and by pink that, everything around you is all about is all about whatever organization is making itself known to you at that at that point. This all started with milk. Someone in the eighties looked. I don't have a lab where I can cure cancer. I'm not a PI. And that's the part about this stuff that bugs me. It's not actually doing something. That ribbon isn't there to make me think so much as to raise awareness of what a good person you are. This is to activism what putting a flag on your car is to patriotism. So in April... So, okay, so we're not going to necessarily... I discussed what he uh, his example there of the patriotism. I think there's a lot to say about that. Um, for good and for bad. For good and for bad. He has a point, obviously. But, but what is he saying? He's saying that you're doing nothing except making yourself feel good. I'm going to read a piece of um, Torah Tidbits this week. And... This is coming from the executive director of of Torah Tibbets. Nothing against him personally. I'm sure he's a very fine man. But there's something that he um thing about what he writes. Something about what he what he writes here that uh, irks me. Um. So this is this past week. Uh, last week I had a fascinating visit to a flower F L O U R company with. Of Ezra Friedman, director of the Gustav and Carol Jacobs Center for Kosher Education and OU Kosher Rabbinic Field Representative. The quantity of flour and the mechanisms they have in place to manufacture and package such large quantities of flour is incredible. The purpose of the visit was to meet with members of their management team with the goal of them becoming an OU Kosher certified company. I will say one thing, and this isn't negative necessarily, but his positivity from his writing, it, it, it's, it's, I believe it's true, but come on, you know, come on. Okay. Since they are, I mean, I think he is really this, this positive individual, but you know, whatever. Since they are not yet an OU company, I will refrain from sharing their name, but I will share the meaningful conversation we had with them. Food company owners are used to a certain language being used when dealing with kashrut agencies. A lot of technical questions are asked, which relate to halachic concepts. However, when dealing with the OU, we have the zechut of introducing new jargon into the discussion. In addition to the technical and halachic aspect of the meeting, we open their eyes to what makes OU kosher incredibly special. The profits OU kosher makes from certifying their products are invested into the community. Now, I knew this about OU. I knew that OU, whatever they make, they invest into the OU, uh, un, un, into o, OU un, uh, umbrella projects, different umbrella projects, different projects under their umbrella, under the organization's umbrella. So, so, um, so that's not, this, this isn't information to me, it isn't news to me. 
I understand why people, why he wants people to know that. Not everybody knows that. I understand why he wants people to know that. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that them selling the OU and all of its projects are, is any more noble per se than somebody saying, I want to make money. That's my point. Okay, again, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, they're both selling is the point. They're both selling. I'm not saying that ultimately, if you have a choice of doing more good or less good, you know, would you, would you prefer to do more good? Perhaps. And perhaps they are, you're going to be talking obviously you're on the same standard, et cetera, et cetera. Putting all that equal. Well, they're both selling something. OU is selling its organization and the other Hechsher is also selling. Globally, revenue from Kashrut supports NCSY, Yachad, community programming, JLIC on college campuses and many other OU initiatives. In Israel, Kashrut revenue covers roughly 25% of our programming which supports tens of thousands of Olim and thousands of at-risk youth each year. This is a twist. There you go. This is a twist that the food companies do not anticipate. And over and over again, I have seen these business people respond in awe. They simply had no idea that by choosing the OU for their kosher certification, in addition to receiving the gold standard in Kashrut, which we'll put that aside for a moment, they are also helping to provide counselors and social workers for at-risk teens or a much-needed support to new Olim. Whether from North America, B'nai Manasha, Olim from India, or from Ethiopia. When the when these business owners and CEOs understand what we do, inevitably their eyes light up. And this flower factory was no exception. He goes on to showing him pictures of giving Mishloch Mano to IDF and, and all sorts of other, you know, really cozy things. Things that make you feel good. And how they didn't put their staff on furlough because it was so important for them to be able to keep their staff paid because their staff are so important. I mean, this whole thing was just one big, giant virtue signal. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel good about yourself when you do something good. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I think one should feel good about themselves. But let me ask you a question. Should a company which feels that it can provide the same standard for less, maybe their attitude should be, well, if we're a non-profit, if we're a not-for-profit, so maybe instead of charging more and then subsidizing our programs, we should charge less and encourage more people to use our Heksher. And the more people that use our gold standard of Kashras, so then the more people might observe the gold standard for Kashras. And the cheaper we make it, the cheap, the, that, that, expense, that, 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 that savings will be passed on to the consumer. And more people might be inclined to use, I'm not saying that they have to take this approach. I'm just saying as a why is the virtuous 
thing to do to charge more to the business owner. You know, clearly, you see, there's an un, there's a there's a subtext here. There's an undertone where there's a uh, there's some of a, of, a, of, a, of a of a of a cynicism that exists on the part of the business people that they oh you know this guy is going to try and sell me on you know some kashrut organization and uh and uh he's really just going to be pocketing all the money for himself and oh wow look at that he's not a greedy businessman like I am he really is doing a lot of good again again I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that OU doesn't indeed do a lot of good with the money that they've that they've made from their kashrut wing. They do a lot of good, but the the presentation that that this is what makes oh, give, you know hiring the OU so special versus maybe one should just. Lower the price and encourage more people to keep kashrut. Who says which one is better? Who says? You know, I think I think there is what to say that OU has a has a has a has a has a very strong standard. I would say that more in a, in, in America than I think in Israel. I think that I think that it's a very important thing to understand how businesses are run and operated, and you can't use an American operation. American an American operation can't just can't just open up shop in Israel. Um, many of them have tried; they failed. One of the reasons why Israel, um, uh, North international companies will license themselves to Israel is because they've learned the hard way. You just can't do it here, unfortunately. There's too much red tape, and the and the and the um, psychology of people are are too different. Unfortunately, not always for the better. I had a story this morning. This morning, I ordered a certain company to come and pick up a, a package and it's supposed to be delivered to America on tonight's flight. They never showed up. They just never showed up. And I called the company close to the deadline time and I've seen an Israel deadline time doesn't mean anything. And they said, oh, oh, I guess it wasn't picked up. Okay, well, we'll send someone tomorrow. I said, tomorrow? But by tomorrow, by tomorrow, it's not going to get on until the, the following day's flight. It's not, you don't have a flight every night anymore, right now. That's right. It won't get on until tomorrow, until the following day. So I said, I said, but I need it in America already by then. Well, I'm sorry. Nothing we can do about it. Have a great day. And I called back, and of course, I was able to to bring it to a distribution center. It took me another good couple hours to get there, and you know we did it. But that's just <laughs> par for the course. It's par for the course. So the the responsibility. Operate in Israel is on both. You have to know who you're who you're dealing with, the mentality of the people and the government. But it also means that you can't just rely on a certain trust that maybe in other com- com- countries you might you might have. There, the, the 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 element of trust in Israel, unfortunately, doesn't always exist. I'm not saying always, but again, I'm not getting into the the, to the there's lots to say about the differences between kashrut agencies in North America and Israel and. I'm not really commenting on this, the gold standard, but I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just questioning. Why can't, why, why does, why is it presented? Why does he feel justified presenting it this way? Why is he just justified presenting it this way? You know, a lot of people, 
A lot of people, they like to, a lot of organizations like to advertise. Your donation is cut is going to one hundred percent of the of the you know of the of the cause and not the operating costs. And I I don't understand who's covering the operating costs. How's an operating co- if if an organization is legitimate. Who's covering the operating costs? So somebody out there has decided he's going to cover the operating costs? Okay, so that's not considered Meister? That's not considered Stucco? Because he's covering the operating costs of this, comp- of this organization? I, I think there is a problem very often with organizations and, and, and their waste. Okay, they're not using their own money. They don't feel the money. It's there. It's not, you know, I, I, I unfortunately felt this in, in 2008, 2009 with the, with the economic crisis. I said, you know, one of the, one of the upsides is that a lot of organizations are going to close because there's a, uh, there's a vast redundance in many Jewish organizations because people know that they can open up an organization and uh, then they're set. They're just set. It's all, that's the way it goes. So unfortunately, a lot of organizations will go, and this will, yes, that will mean a lot of people will be left without a parnosa, but I don't necessarily believe that we should be earning money for through donations. I think we have to, yes, there is a, there is a need to have organizations and and there's a need to have to have different uh different causes but we don't need a cause for everything and just because the day ends in why doesn't mean doesn't mean we have to have a new cause that opens up so there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there i was listening to 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 somebody and he washes cars and he said oh this person, the reason why the car is so dirty is because she's going through a, a heart, she was going through like a, a mental health issue last year. And, and so it gives me a extra, extra, you know, good feeling that I'm able to, to, you know, help her restore her, restore her life by cleaning out her, by cleaning her car. You know myself, buddy, just, just clean the car. Just clean the car. You know, what was, what was the line? Just shut up and dribble. Remember that line? Laura Ingram said, just shut up and dribble to, to LeBron James. You know, I mean, just, it, it, it's coming from the else, obviously, but just, just dribble. Just play the game. Just do your job. You're good. You're good at, you're good at cleaning cars. Great. I was driving someone today and he said, he went to a restaurant last night to support local, local restaurant, local business. I said, well, why couldn't you go to a restaurant? What's it's like? It's 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 not is it a religious thing. Like going to a restaurant might be problematic, but if you're going because you're going to help a local business, then it's okay. I mean, why why couldn't you just go to a restaurant? And indeed, he went for his wife's birthday, so of course that's why he went to the restaurant. But what's this idea that every single thing that we do has to have some sort of extra good feeling? Why can't I just do it? Why can't I just do it? You know, you can, you can, you can, you can forever, you can forever question the source of all these, you know, different ideas here. You know, in, in, uh, in, in, in the Shivish world, it's, it's almost the opposite. You know, there's, there's an idea, I, I think it's in the altar of Kelm, altar from Kelm, that, that every chumrah, every stringency that we accept upon ourselves, there's a there's a uh, a counter effect. It's going to have some sort of effect on us, not just obviously 
on a spiritual level that we've now accepted this Chumrah, but in how we view ourselves, in how in how um, we treat others. It's just life. You have to be aware of this. Someone asked me, oh, Ellie, do you do this? And I said, no. So, so why not? This is so... And I told him, and it's not as though I don't have don't chumras, and it's not as though I don't I don't I don't get caught up in the caught up in these things. You know, my 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 uh my 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 wine shear that I've uh, that I have is not the Reb Chaim Noah, and I don't drink like the Chafetz Chaim did, and I and I drink. You know, I don't I I, I reject that idea too. I don't think that we should uh, again to each their own. You know, I definitely recognize the you know the, the notion that uh, our our uh, Sage, our predecessors didn't necessarily need these things the same way, but I definitely believe that since, since, since mitzvahs are so easy today, that it's a very difficult thing for us to just decide we're not going to pay the extra amount to, to, uh, to glorify them. Again, each, in, each issue on its own. I'm not, I'm not getting into this issue per se, you know, but, um, you know, we have, we have this issue, you know, you, you spend 400 shekel on a kilo, on a kilo of matzahs. What is, you know, it doesn't give a person a, a good feeling. And we start looking at everybody who's buying matzahs in the store. Oh, look at that. Look at that guy. He's buying regular store bought matzahs. You know, again, we get to be a little honest with ourselves. How, how these things affect us. That's all. Look at that guy. He came in to buy that estrig five minutes before young, before, before Sukkot. You really think that that's chaviv to him? Yeah, again, again, we have to be honest with ourselves. What, what, how, how we're, how we're viewing other people and how we're viewing ourselves. Everything affects us. That's the point. Everything affects us. And just, and just because, and just because, um, it makes us, it makes us feel good. Well, that's even more reason why we have to question our, our, uh, the reason why we're doing it. Remember, I asked before at one point. I said, "What you know? When you look at different, certain sects, and this sect as a whole, they are not following guidelines. And this sect is. This sect is wearing their masks, and isn't wearing their masks. So one could say that they're both just sheep. They're both just following their uh, their leaders. Why? Why is? Why might one argue that one is sheep and one isn't? And the answer I gave is is because one has that extra comfort." To pat themselves on the back, they are saving the world, and the other one doesn't. Each one of these things affects us. You want to go out to eat? Go out to eat in a restaurant. I'm not saying that one should do it every day, but once in a while. I don't think that 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 most people are on 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 a, on a level that that should be something we should shun, that we should disdain. I don't think most of us are on that level. I think most people can go to a restaurant. Once in a while. And these ideas, you know, again, they start, there's another one that reminds, reminds me of an idea, you know, the, it's, 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 it's really the opposite. In the yeshiva world, you know, you have to know, there, you know, somebody can have a car 20, 30 years old, and that's, and that's, and that's his, and that's his, uh, virtue signal. You know, it's just, it's, it's just the opposite, but it's the same exact con- concept, you know, uh, this is, you know, this is a line. It's a yeshivish, it's a yeshivish toaster. It's a, what's the definition of something yeshivish? Is that you have to know how to use it. If you can't just press the button to turn it on, if you have to know how to use it, that makes it, a, 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 that makes it yeshivish. So it's like, it's, a, it's, it's really just the opposite 
but it's the same exact concept where this this item instead of being a fancy a fancy Camry, you know, it's that an inside joke, obviously. Instead of being a fancy Camry, it's a it's a burnt out whatever. So 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 he also has that little that that that, that feeling on the back. At, at one point, it wasn't like that. At one point, that was just the, the Matias. That was just what people drove because that's what they you know how much they were machshiv there. Uh, there, you know, the car, the car was hechatim, so just to get from point A to point B. But, but we have to, you know, sometimes now people will just, you know, they have to drive that car because they can't, uh, you know, it's a passage, it doesn't, 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 you know, for them to upgrade to, to a nicer model is, uh, it, it's not, it's not, it, you know, it's not, it's not who they are. Meaning, it's not who they're, it's not who they're, 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 they are attempting to appear to be. So I'm just saying, with all these things, and I don't have, by any means, I'm not here dashing. I'm not here suggesting that I have all the answers. But at the very least, let's be a little bit honest with ourselves as to why we're doing something. We have to ask that question. Do I have this good feeling? Do I have that good feeling when I'm doing it? That that's, that, that maybe is clouding my decision. Maybe that's clouding my decision. You know, Canada. Canada gave... China, uh, PPE last year. Okay. You, Canada gave China PPE last year. It sounds like a great idea, right? Why not? Why not? They claim that the reason why they gave was because it was expiring. That was one reason. Expiring. Your PPE, your masks were expiring. Hmm. Amazing. Masks were expiring. Then they claim maybe there's also a reason because if they give to China, then China will then give to Canada. The WHO had already declared there was a world health crisis. That was the extent of this this point. They hadn't yet declared a pandemic, but they declared a world health. And Canada decides it's going to give its supplies to China, the country that started this. You can you can say what you want about whether or not it was intentional intentionally unleashed or whether or not it was just they just couldn't avoid it you know all those different theories we know where we stand but they gave the supply and there's a Gemara I, I mean at some point you have to you have to wonder the Gemara says uh, that when you have two people who are in, in the desert and you only have one enough water for one of them that whoever's whoever has the water is supposed to drink it Whoever has the water is supposed to drink it. You know, I mean, you learn this Gemara for the first time, and okay, it's a it's 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 a it's a principle that's applied in many different areas. Chayach a person's life, your life has priority. It's it's it seems like it's so basic and fundamental. Like, like you know, we use, of course we use it in so many different areas. So it's applicable in so many different areas. But you think today, today there are people out there that would rather die. With that feeling that they that they gave somebody else their water, just the feeling, then take the drink the water, not because they couldn't live with themselves. Yeah, I don't, don't overanalyze that. I don't overanalyze that point. I don't overanalyze that point. But the point is, because like, that'll get me off topic. But the point is, is that that's 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 how sick that's how sick we are. So the Gemara tells us because I'll say Chayacha Kaidman. No, you drink, you drink the water. You drink the water. 
Canada is sending its PPE, and you think that's the end of it. Listen to this. Listen to this. You think that's the end of it. It's not the end of it. It is not the end of it, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's still, it's just growing. Listen to this. This is Canadian Health Minister. On Friday, that we're we are now set if we get the Johnson and Johnson to receive up to 118 million uh, doses of vaccine by the end of September. That's obviously more than we need. Is there anything in the contracts with those companies uh, which would prevent us from sharing the vaccine with other countries? Are we going to keep all of those? How is that going to work? Well, I'm working really closely right now with my colleagues, Minister Gould and Minister Garneau, on our international support for beating back COVID-19. Because I think we all know that as long as we have COVID-19 raging out of control in some countries, it puts all countries at risk. And so, of course, our priority is to get Canadians vaccinated as soon as possible. But, you know, we are a major contributor to COVAX. We also have extra doses, and the Prime Minister has been having conversations himself as well with world leaders about how we make sure that anything we don't need gets put back into uh, a process that gets the people most in need around the world. Okay, but but just to that, that just to be clear, is there is are there things that contractually would prevent us from sharing those extra doses? I can't answer that question at this point, um, uh, Rosemary. That might be a better question for Ms. Anand, who has seen those contracts in detail. But I will just say that um, there is a, a, a recognition amongst all of us in the government, all the ministers that are responsible for this file, that uh, when we get to the place where we're confident that Canadians have had access to a vaccine and that we have enough doses to share, our intent is to share those doses with the world. So what are they saying? And of course, you know, I'm not getting into the, the, the timeline for this. I'm not saying that it's happening now. But what are they saying? They're saying that Canada is going to be sharing its vaccine. That's what it's saying. Canada is going to be sharing its vaccine with other countries. Other countries. That's, this, it's all a virtue signal. It's all a virtue signal. So they send 16 tons of PPE. 16 tons of PPE they send to China. China doesn't do the same thing when Canada needs it. No, no, no. But they send 16 t- tons. Okay. It's not a, it's not, a, it's not an exaggeration. That's a, that's a weight. It's a measure. It's a weight. It's a weight. Okay. 16 tons of, of, of PPE they send. And, and Canada suffers. What am I? What about your people? Now, one of the realities is, is, is something that this, that this sorry excuse for a health minister just said. There are so many countries that are struggling and if we can't get every single country, so now we've set the bar at an impossible, just like we're going to just understand what we're saying here. Not only, you know, we, 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 we've been off for two weeks. I cannot tell you how much there's to say right now. Not only have not not only my my thought now not only are we going to try to eliminate obliterate annihilate this virus on our own shore on our own on our on our uh, in in our own country we're going to try and do it the entire world wow, isn't that noble isn't that noble and amazing so altruistic, remarkable, or insane and evil. 
So, saving other countries. Saving other countries. There's no concept of nationalism to these people. Nationalism is evil. We're all part of one global. Again, each one of these things could be its own different broadcast. Yet, the whole idea that, that Canada has to su- save other countries. I'm not saying that there isn't a need for humanitarian support for poor, poorer countries. I'm not saying that. But this idea that we're even setting it as though it's part of the the, the focus, the agenda, that we're going to save other countries, because that's part of our recovery, because otherwise we can't open. A virus that has... At the most, according to the statistics, at the most is five in one thousand people that are dying of the most, of the most, of the highest risk category. And a and a and a virus and a vaccine that, according to their numbers, is ninety five percent. We understand to what extent we are setting parameters. To what extent to save? And remember, we do have hospitals. So we want nobody to ever, ever, ever get this virus. That is the goal here. Let's let's be let's be very clear. No one should get this virus. I mean, it's, these all might start from again from a very good place. It starts from a very good place. It starts from a very good place. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you have to have a certain level of wisdom. Sometimes to see where it's going to end up. There are many ideas that start from a very good place. The question is where are they going to end up? You have to, sometimes you can very easily predict where they're going to end up. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. Sometimes, you know, there's also reasons for this. We're going to elaborate on these ideas, but you know, one of the, one of the reasons is, is because once a person ha- has convinced themselves that doing they're doing something great, well, they're never finished. They become moral busybodies. Talk about that C.S. Lewis comment, quote, they become moral busybodies. They'll, they'll never be finished. Barry Goldwater didn't sign on, didn't vote for the Civil Rights Act, not because he was a, a, a racist. On the contrary, the conservative movement... The Republicans in the 1960s, they were spearheading the Civil Rights Act. It was the Democrats that weren't. I know people don't want to, don't, don't acknowledge that part of history. But the main reason, I'm not going to get into this now really again, but, but one of the main reasons why Barry Goldwater, who was the leader, leader of, of, of the Republicans, basically, that, in that period, was because he didn't like how it was being, uh, written. He didn't like how it was being presented. Golar's conscience of a conservative. Was it, that was his book. Conscience of a conservative. Looking for the exact paragraph here. Can't find what I found earlier. Hopefully maybe later. Again and again, Goldwater and Basel, that's, uh, that was when I wrote it, makes such morally charged or philosophically based arguments. It so happens that I, says, says, says Goldwater, I am in agreement 
with the anti-racial segregation objectives of the Supreme Court, as stated in the Brown decision. Writes Goldwater, I am not prepared, however, to impose that judgment of mine on the people of Mississippi or South Carolina. That is their business, not mine. I the problem of race relations, like all social and cultural problems, is best handled by the people directly concerned and should not be affected by engines of national power. Here, Goldwater forthrightly disavows ugly racism, even as he makes a philosophical case that racial justice solutions must not be imposed from above by federal government governmental fiat. In the American federalist system, local authority must be respected, Goldwater argues, even when local authorities see issues in a vexing manner. There's lots to say about this. Lots to say about this. But if you can predict, if you if you can see exactly what's going to happen, if you can see what's, what, what, what the result of a policy is, then, then, that, then that, 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 at the very least, casts some doubt, shadow, uh, you know, uh, a shadow on the intent. Because when you can see it, is what we've been talking about for the last, I've been talking about it for a year. An unintended consequence with predictable inevitabilities is not unintended. If you cut off this chicken's head and the chicken dies, as the Talmudic example it goes, then you are liable, you are accountable for killing the chicken. The fact that I only needed the head is irrelevant. It is, it is, it is, it might, you might call it an unintended consequence, but it's an inevitability. And therefore, it's considered as part of the act. A lot of the time you can foresee, but that's what, but that's how it goes. We like this good feeling. And why do we like this good feeling? Because we lack, we live in a world where we lack substance, where we lack true virtue. You know what true virtue is? This is this is, this, this is just how insane of a world we're living in, and how many how we're being gaslit every day. True virtue is raising your family, going to work. Yeah, I'm not going into religious conversations here. Yeah, but as a general individual, a part of society, going to work, not cheating one another, earning an honest living. As I've said before, one of the things I resent most about the government and, and what they're doing right now is not my own personal financial issues. That's up to God. But how the government has made me into a taker, making an honest living for your family, making an honest living for your family, providing for, their, for your family, that is virtuous. And instead we're told, you're not essential. You understand how much we're being gaslit? You're not essential. Oh, but... But don't think for a second that we're going to get the people accustomed to just printing money and giving them money so as not to work. No, 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 no. We have no intention to do that. That is not in any way our intention. We're just trying to keep the world afloat while we shut it down because of a virus that has... (sighs) Because people are told that they that they don't that 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 earning an income or earning a building a family is 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 a lowly aspiration so people have to find virtue in all the other things because that hunger that thirst needs to be quenched 
it needs to be satiated. That hunger needs to be satiated. That thirst needs to be quenched. There is a need. There is a need to live a virtuous life. We, as from Yidin, have mitzvahs. We have direction. That, that today isn't the point anymore, as we all know, as we mentioned. You know, mitzvahs, chumras is also a, 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 a major element, a major key. One point it wasn't like that. One point it wasn't like that. How much learning, how much Torah did you know? That was the measure. Okay. Yudas Adarius, as we say. There's a, there's a, unfortunately, generations have, 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 uh, there's a digression. But because, because there isn't an idea, an, an, an idealism in earning a parnasa for your family, supporting your family as a, as, as, as a man. And again, you know, Husbands and wives go into, into go into uh, 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 a contract and, and a trend, and they, you know they set up this they set these things up differently. That's fine, but meaning the idea is that building a home, the this is how a person was virtuous at one point. This is how they were virtuous, but not today. No, because you are not essential. People are no longer essential. They're no longer essential. We don't need the workforce. We don't need people. People don't need people doing the work. We just need to find something to do with them. You understand? This is what we've created. This is what we've created. The Civil Rights Act was a phenomenal thing, but you, but Barry Goldwater saw where it was heading. Problem wasn't giving blacks rights, obviously. It was giving the institutional elements the power. You have to be able to see where things are heading. There's a very, very Often a clear vision that they have. They might not. They might not even know it at the time. But if they don't have boundaries, if they don't have boundaries, then they're just going to continue and continue and continue. Because once you feel good about what you're doing, there's no end. There's no end. You have. You have your conscience is only encouraging it. Your conscience is only encouraging it. Can read this quote again. It's 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 a very 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 important very important idea. Those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. So again, you can you can apply it also to different ways. But this is how they this is this is how they this is how people feel. They need something. They need something. They need something to make themselves feel virtuous. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, let's do this here. So there's a... BB was on Fox News. BB was on Fox News. And... Uh, He mentioned there's a joke. Here, we'll play this joke. This is a joke. He asked him for his opinion. I'll just, you know, we'll end off with Maybe we'll end off with that joke. Here. So listen to what BB says about um, how Israel is dealing with COVID. So he says on, on Fox. 
You give people the option to stand outside a vaccination center. So should they have extra vials and not necessarily have their name be called or the category up, uh, you'll go and give them. Here in New York, inexplicably, they were throwing them out. So I wish we took your uh, lead first on that. Is that a small well, point or a big point? It's, it's, <laughs> it's in Israel... Uh, you know, in America, I guess people are waiting for vaccines, and Israel vaccines are waiting for people. Uh, but yeah, we opened up everything, Brian. Any, anybody can come in and yep. uh, get vaccinated. Uh, we started with the elderly, but uh, with the older people. But uh, you know, we're we're now with everyone, and we're the, the first country in the world to emerge from Corona with this green passport. You can go to restaurants, you can go to theaters, you can go to movies, uh, sports events. I mean, this is this is it. We're coming out. Look, I don't think we're coming out completely. We're going to have to wear a mask for some time. Right. But we're, we're behind it. And we're also looking into the future, and we're saying, let Israel become not a world center for producing the vaccines of tomorrow. So vaccination nation, that's where we're going. That's good. Um, Mr. Prime Minister, Vaccination nation, you know, because Israel, Israel's called startup nation, right? Startup nation. So now he's, he's, he's attempting to coin the term vaccination nation. Ha ha. Ha ha. You have to watch his, uh, I wish you could see that quote, you could, that clip. You have to watch his mannerisms. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert at reading at reading mannerisms, but he's saying when he's saying certain things about the vaccine and about the masks and Israel's position, you have to watch his his eye m- movement and he he starts. It's almost as though his confidence is start you know fades while he's saying certain certain things. Um, it's an interesting it's just an interesting thing. If you watch the clip, you can see. I think you can see his, his confidence. He starts looking around. Uh, you know, you know, obviously he. Bites his lip a little bit. No, but he, 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 uh, you know, he, he looks, he looks, he looks around and he moves his hands a little bit more. These are all just different, different tells. It's, 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 it's an interesting thing to, to, <clears throat> to watch. So th- that's, that's the first thing, you know, and he t- tells us a lot of things, a lot, he tells us a lot in that clip. Tells us a lot in that clip how, how, um, the masks are so important and the masks are, are um are going to be with us for a while the masks the masks are so important and the masks are going to be with us for a while and play the next clip and the next clip is where he describes how israel was so successful mr prime minister since israel is on the leading edge and i know you're probably reluctant to give advice but because so many lives depend on it what would you say about what the United States is doing and how to fix it or improve it? I know you're reluctant to give advice because so many lives depend on it. <laughs> let's let's, let's uh, coat the ego a little. Because different states have different metrics and are doing different things. The most important thing, two most important things, is get vaccinated as fast as you can and wear masks. Do that. You know, it's it, it's not a political question. This is what has to be done, uh, and it should be. You see the clip again. There he did it. He's looking around. His eyes are are, are scanning the whole area as he's saying that. He's not looking at them. Looking looking to the side. I don't know. Again, I'm not. I'm, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I think if you see it, you get this feeling as though it's it's a uh, there's something he's there's something he's thinking. 
You know, that he doesn't even, he himself doesn't believe what he's saying. Everyone, hey, it's, it's your lives. You know, I think that uh, we can get over COVID. We are getting over COVID. And I'm glad to see that many parts of America are already yep. on that side. And uh, keep going. How it's did important. you distribute the shots? Because down in Florida, they're using grocery stores and other big box stores to help. Mm. But here in New York, you have to go to a place, you, our convention center, the Javits Center. Start on the app. and then Yeah, and it takes forever to get through when you try to sign up, apparently, online. And they're asking, you know, the elderly population to wait five hours at the Javits Center to get their shot. No. And a lot of people, you, you can't ask someone to do that that's 95 years old. Well, I, I was... I was actually looking at doing uh, exactly what was done in Florida and, you know, having a lot of multiple places. But we didn't need to do that because we in Israel have a unique system of four HMOs that cover 98% of the population with digital, digital uh, databases, you know, so we're, we're fine. So we just harnessed that and everybody went in. But, right. you know, if you're not built for it, then by all means, use other elements, you know. Cut the bureaucracy. Cut the bureaucracy. Jab people. Save them. And Got that's it. it. Move on. Mr. Prime Minister. Mr. Prime Minister, since... is that, that great clip? Cut the bureaucracy. We are in Israel. We are fortunate to have four HMOs. Is this true? We have four HMOs. There's Maccabi. There's Mochedet. Lumit. And uh, Klalit, four different HMOs throughout the country. Four different HMOs throughout the country. And you can cut the bureaucracy. I wonder, imagine how they how they would have been able to cut the bureaucracy and found a way to just increase the hospital capacity size. And then we wouldn't have even been in this predicament in the first place. We could have opened up after the first 15 days to flatten the curve, no? Isn't that all we would have needed? Just 15 days. 15 days to flatten the curve and then we would have been able to we would have been able to reopen because we would have had a had a a solution for the for the for the hospitals I don't know I'm a little uh, surprised there he goes just cut the because oh, he what he's saying is he's cut the bureaucracy and jab people cutting the bureaucracy only works to jab people you know it rhymes with jab Stab. Just cut the bureaucracy and stab people. And again, I make it clear, I'm not anti taking the vaccine. I mean, per se. Somebody feels, somebody's in a legitimate category of risk. Take the vaccine. Try to resume some, someone of, some, some semblance of your life. But, if, if, if that's what'll do it. But, the idea, the idea that everybody needs to just take the vaccine and the government's going to enforce it and et cetera, et cetera, as we've talked many times. Yes, I do oppose that. I do oppose that. People should be able to choose. Just cut the bureaucracy. But cutting the bureaucracy only works for one thing, for jabbing people. Not for increasing hospital capacities, not for training in emergency healthcare professionals, not for anything. Not for everything. Only for one thing. Only for one thing. <clears throat> this is uh, that was you know you can't you can't you don't always get the the the, the prime minister's the prime minister's words um, himself in English. You know we don't always get. There's another there's another video I'm I'm working on 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 cutting. Yair Lapid was interviewed. Yair Lapid was interviewed, and. Um, like uh, so we're gonna 
General Kelly, General Kelly's first name, Kelly, Kelly, forgetting his last first name now. Um, you know, he was the chief of staff, I believe, for the president. And so he was, he was interviewed. I'm going to end off with a little bit of a, with the, with the clip that was the joke in SNL. They asked, they asked BB's opinion of it, King BB, but I'm not going to play that. And so just listen to this clip. It's a very brief clip. These short clips that don't, they don't aren't making it on. I don't know why. Very odd. Hmm. Let's try this again. The short clips. I'll just say the joke if I have to, but I'd rather not, obviously. Didn't work. Didn't work. Okay, let's see if we can do it this way. Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. Okay, so Israel's reported it has vaccinated half the population. I'm going to just guess it's the Jewish half. The Jewish half. Interesting. Is he referring to as opposed to the Palestinian? I mean, what exactly is, is the breakdown um, that he that he sees as Israel? This is this is really you know this could really get into um, a number of conversations. You know, we talk about the the, the nation state. We get into the nation state exactly. What is Israel's? Who's Israel's allegiance to? But in Israel's almost nine about nine million people, less than two million of them are Arabs. So, even if Israel had only done Israeli Arabs, even if Israel had only done actually that's not true. I can see that's both. I think it could be both, both Israeli and Arab, both Israeli and Palestinian. That number. But the point is, is that even if Israel had done half of its population and only the only the Jews, there's still more than the amount of Jews left have been vaccinated before the Arabs. So what's his argument? That it's not 50-50? That it should be, you know, uh, four and a half million, four million or five million and then one million? Exactly what's his argument here? Part of this idea is, uh, you know, obviously always oh, there's a racist state, a racist country. Part of this is, again, is the idea there's nothing wrong, there's something wrong with vaccinating, vaccinating the your your population. That's the problem. There's something wrong with vaccinating. We're supposed to try to vaccinate, you know, Israel should specifically vaccinate the Arabs first. That's what they should do. They should actively make an effort to vaccinate the Arabs first. Just like in California, they're vaccinating the criminals, the convicts in jails first. Just like in New York, they're vaccinating people who have absolutely zero risk or should not be at the very, at the very top. Now I'm not suggesting that Arabs obviously shouldn't be at the top just because they're Arabs. Okay, but it, it, it is even true. But the the the, the idea, the idea that specifically that's a, the point is, is what, why is the joke supposed to be funny? The joke supposed to be funny. Is, why is the joke supposed to be funny? What is the message of the joke? Maybe maybe I don't maybe I don't, maybe I don't appreciate it. Yeah, and again, it doesn't sound as though I don't think that the that that you, you should that you shouldn't be allowed to make fun of Israel. I didn't say that. 
I, I, like I said, I'm, I, I think you, you potentially should be able to make fun of anybody. But, but what's the joke? What is the joke? The joke was, was that Israel discriminates against the Arabs. Arabs have full rights in Israel. It's ignorance. That's all it is. It's just pure ignorance. Imagine this person knew a little bit. Would he still have made the joke? Okay. That's been our show today. We hope you have a great day. And we do, please God, look forward to being with you again tomorrow. I'm Ellie Shapiro. This is your, I am the host of The Morning Mix. And you can find us on realtalkisrael.co.il. Have a great day.